0: Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracting business with a man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kinoki. That's me. Today, we're going to continue on in my conversation with Kendra Ferguson, CPA and virtual CFO, and myself, Mike Kinoki, carpenter, comb, contractor. We're going to talk about job costing, job costing. So you can tell if your estimates are on or off. And how contractors tend to have higher expectations for what their gross profit and margin is. And it's often overstated. Why? Because you don't know your numbers. I didn't, I didn't. I'm on it. I've learned. Cash flow. How do you keep your cash flow consistent? And there's more anecdote about how maybe a loan is distracting you and masking real issues you've got going on. And then forecasting for the future. Have you done that? Do you think about it? Kendra's going to talk all about it. There's some great anecdotes, and I finally tell that story about my. Let's um, let's turn now to uh, finance and accounting best practices, and a subject that comes up constantly. Uh, I've got another guest who come who's going to come on the show and hit it from another angle, but it's it's probably number one, and it's going to relate back to. This um, bank account balance accounting that contractors love to do, but yeah. it's job costing is what you should be doing. And so, let's talk about job costing. What's it? Okay, how cool. do we do? How do we do it right?
1: So, you had talked in an earlier episode about kind of your folder system, where you've got something where, as you're going out, you're buying things for particular jobs. You place things in a folder, and mm-hmm. then. I wasn't quite clear if at some point you then go into your QuickBooks file or whatever accounting system you're using and also assigning those costs to a particular project or job in QuickBooks. Are you doing that step?
0: My accountant does. My accountant, she does everything for me. Perfect. She's a bookkeeper and accountant.
1: That is the way to do it right. The way to do it right is when you, you have a new job, you sign a new contract, You set up a new job or project in QuickBooks. It'll it'll have a different name depending on whether or not you're using QuickBooks Desktop, where they're called jobs, or QuickBooks Online, where they're called projects. But you are going to set that up in your QuickBooks system. And then every single expense that is related to that job gets coded to that job or that project within QuickBooks. So that at the end of the job, you're able to run a report that says, This is how much money I brought in on that job. This is how much I spent on it, my total job cost. This is the amount of money I made on that job. And you can do that on every single job that you do. So that's that's kind of the general principle of job costing. And then the way to really, really do it right, particularly as you get larger or if you're working like let's say you're a a general contractor who builds million dollar homes, you're you're building up an estimate for each different phase within the construction cycle of building a home. You want to set up your job costing reports to assign those costs that are coming in to the different phases that you, you're tracking within your estimates. You want to be able to run a job cost report that matches exactly to the phases in your estimates. So that you'll know at the end of the job how well you're actually estimating things. Let's say you knocked it out of the park when you're estimating framing on a house and you killed it there, but you lost a ton of money on, I don't know, painting um, because you totally blew that estimate. If you looked at that on an overall basis of just how well you did on the job in total, maybe they washed each other out. But on the next job, you would know, hey, I killed it on framing. I'm really good at that, but I really missed it here on painting. I need to really think more closely about that on the next job that I'm doing.
0: That, uh, <clears throat> that trade-off, I think it's a pretty common occurrence. But yeah, you, I really never wanted common. to be lost. It's,
1: it's, it's, it's matching the level of detail in your accounting system to the level of detail that you go down into in your estimates. So they should easily be able to match each other. That's kind of the the overarching goal. So let's say maybe you're, you're smaller and you're, I don't know, doing, you know, Mike, you don't, you sub everything out. So maybe on a job you have costs for materials, subcontractors, um, and maybe that's really your two your two primary costs. Maybe that's the two the two things that you're going to assign costs to within the job. And that's a pretty that's a pretty simple setup that you can set up in QuickBooks. Now, when you're doing a, a larger, you're building a huge home, and there's so many different things within that estimate, and, and you're estimating each individual line item within that. You're going to want to make sure your job costing report is tying your expenses to those specific things.
0: Absolutely, uh, it's it's super important. Yeah, my system is pretty. St- Pretty simplified now. But when I am doing a custom home, it's those cost estimates can be wildly wrong. Yeah. Especially when you've not communicated with your client and what they think they're getting is different than what you have given them and it's already yep. done.
1: But being able to have like the data right there in front of you to know, I killed it in this area. I could have done better in this area. That's the information you have to go back and assess after the end of the job to be able to correct it or do better on the next one. You've got to have that information.
0: And then how does that relate to, uh, how does that relate to the, your expectations for for your margin, for what you're going to make, you know?
1: Yeah. So. I think I talked earlier that you know a lot of times the expectations for contractors for for what they expect their gross margin or profit margin on a job is, it's almost never that. (laughs) Most of the contractors that I've talked to think that that number is way higher than what it is in actuality, and there can be a lot of reasons why. So, kind of talking about my roofing company client, they had not accounted for they, they have employees but they had not accounted for the payroll taxes that they have to pay mm-hmm. on their employees wages. They had never considered that. So that was something that sh- they should have been including in their estimate of profit margin that they were, they had never thought about.
0: And they, you said they had like 25 people.
1: Yeah, they got 25 people. It's not a small number. Mm-hmm. Um, so they thought that their margin was more like 40%. And in reality, it was like, Less than twenty percent, and and that Man. the payroll taxes is one of the big things. Workers' comp was another one, comp, oh. um, kind of like incidental trips to Home Depot. They weren't really considering. Um, so, I mean, and unfortunately, that's really common, and you won't you won't find that information out until you design your accounting system to really track all that data. Um, so. I
0: was fortunate enough to have already had a relationship with my current accountant when I started hiring employees because I was a one man operation for years and then had some subcontractors and kind of hired hands once in a while. Payroll uh, is a
1: whole other And, and so <laughs> she to- she so totally prepared you did, me. You did the right thing by having a relationship with an accountant before you went out and hired people because I'm sure they are able to tell you like these are the things that you need to be thinking about. This is what things are going to look like. This is how much it's going to actually cost you to have an employee um, a really good accountant will help you be able to kind of forecast that. If you're thinking about being at the stage where you may actually want to hire someone, a really good accountant can help you forecast what that's going to look like for your business so that you'll have a more realistic expectation of how much that's going to cost you.
0: Yeah, between her and my my commercial policy insurer, mm-hmm. I, they schooled me really quick. And I realized I had to start charging a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> because it just changed the game completely. If I wanted to make money and not just pay employees, which I've, you know, just paid employees and not made money before, for sure, because that's <laughs> a, I think that happens to every contractor on certain jobs. You just you get by and like, whew, OK, yep, don't do this again. It's a um, lesson. <laughs> it is. And I, I've never had a super painful one where I've lost, uh, but. Close enough.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, I and that, know plenty and,
1: of contractors who have had that unfortunate experience.
0: Yeah. And that, that comp is a killer because it comes, because when you go, the one thing about comp is it's based on last year's numbers. And when you far exceed that, you get a bill in December. That's huge. And yep. you, right when you thought you made a lot of money, you didn't. There it goes. There it goes. So.
1: Yeah. A really good accountant will help you. That's. That's honestly a little bit more of a kind of like CFO level service. Mm -hmm. Um, Your average bookkeeper would probably struggle to help you kind of do that level of forecasting. Um, So that would be something I would encourage you to think about um, as you're working on developing a relationship with your accountant.
0: Yeah. my, My accountant schooled me and said, this is how much it costs a day if your employees are not insured and they find out you have employees. And the penalties are devastating.
1: It's huge. It yeah. is huge. Yes. So there's so many things to consider when you're hiring employees. So from a, from a legal perspective, from a payroll tax perspective, from just a how much money is this going to cost me going out every week perspective. Um, so it's, it's definitely a smart idea to start reaching out to people to kind of help you plan for that before you do it. Um, yeah. Cause there, there are things you have to do um, before you hire someone.
0: Yeah. I don't know the exact number in my head, but I would think my overhead costs went jumped at 15% when I did that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, and you got to really compensate for that.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> you sp- have to charge, you have to charge more. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, it, it's all at the end of the day, it's all math. So you get to, you can, there are ways to forecast what your business will look like when you're having employees do work that you previously were doing. Um, it's all just kind of a, 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 I personally really enjoy doing those kinds of forecasting activities and having an accountant help you with that is going to be more realistic and accurate than if you did that on your own.
0: Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, how do we deal with cash flow? Um, I, oh. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out right off the bat here that um I've always required a huge down payment. And I'm I haven't really had cash flow issues mm-hmm. because I see the bills come like I've always seen I need all this money up front to
1: mm-hmm. pay
0: for stuff and, and I'm not paying for it out of pocket. Um, some people expect the contractor to bear some of the debt for a while, and I, I'm not I'm that's not me. It's but a decision see, you
1: get to make as as the, the business you own this business, it's a decision you get to make.
0: And it's a turnoff to some people when you ask for half of half of a massive lump sum down. But you know, when you build a house for somebody that 50% gone mm-hmm. so fast, because you're paying all your subs on time. And that's a huge thing for me is paying everybody right away, mm-hmm. not making anybody wait. But but anyway, that's, I'm I'm uh, distracting from how you might tell us about keeping on top of cash flow.
1: Yeah. So honestly, one of the things that I see really commonly with contractors is that they, especially if you haven't outsourced any of your accounting yet, you get behind on billing or just invoicing your customers and your clients. And you should do that as frequently as and as as soon as possible um, because you're not going to get money from your clients or customers if you're sitting on you know, amounts that you should be billing. <laughs> they can't pay you if, you if you haven't sent them an invoice. Um, and that's just, I see that a lot with contractors is they they just get behind and they're busy, you know, actually getting work done and, and kind of falling down where they, where they actually should be getting money in the door. That is, <laughs> just,
0: that is such an oddity to me that yeah I hear that here all the time. For, like the trade contractors aren't billing. Like people be like having to contact the trade contractor And say hey are you gonna bill me not me that that's not a problem for me like i i'm done like give me money you know we're done
1: you've built that habit up and there that's that's something that particularly if you're on the on the new end of your your, you have a new career in contracting that's a habit you should really develop at the beginning of your career don't get a few years into this and, and then realize hey I'm really not good at this billing thing. I I should really be bringing that money in. That's something you should develop early on in your career. But it's, I see it a lot. Um, I don't get it either. I bill all the time (laughs) for my own business. Um, And a lot of times I, I, you know, require people to pay in advance as well. Um, And so I, I can't really, you know, relate to a lot of situations where contractors do that, but they do do that. I, I know they do. I have many clients who have done that before. So, I mean, the biggest thing is invoice your clients, send them a bill. And then if you have people who are slow to pay you, you have to call them. You have to get on the phone and say, you have to be that kind of, there's a saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You have to be that person who's reminding people, you owe me money. Um, there are, you would, you would not believe the amount of people who will send an invoice to a client and then weeks go on, months go on, and they'll never follow back up with them. They'll just let it kind of sit out there um, instead of just getting on the phone and, and reminding them, hey, you owe me this money, or sending them an email, hey, this invoice is still unpaid. Like, you have to go after that money sometimes, particularly if you're not, I mean, if you're not, you um, requiring a deposit up front, you, you have to be paid from the cash flow perspective to keep your business running. Don't, don't just let people not pay you. You've done the work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remind, you know, I get my down payment and then I have landmark payments when I'm on big jobs. So Mm -hmm. I'll keep telling people as that landmark payment is coming up, we're going to be done. You know, when this is done, this, these parts of the project, you have to give me this money. Because I have to pay all the people that just came through.
1: Mm-hmm. That's and great. You, you're have setting to, expectations. And you have to understand
0: that I don't get paid until this is over. Like I don't make yeah. a penny until the last payment, you know, and there's going to be a margin there. That's going to be mine yeah. and someone's going to go out, but you got to like, we're in this together and, and, but explaining it to them really helps. Yeah. That, you're
1: setting that expectation with your yeah. client. And, and that's a huge piece of it. They need to know what's going to be expected of them kind of upfront. As much as you don't want to be hit with a bill out of nowhere for, you know, several thousand dollars, uh, your client doesn't want to be hit with that either. So helping set expectations for when things are going to happen is really key.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's, I mean, that's how, that's how to really get money coming into your business. Bill on time. Don't sit on invoicing. Just make it, make it happen. Um, And then when people are slow to pay you, get on the phone with them. Um, I I was the controller for a really large manufacturing company. um, And you, I mean, I I saw it every day. I mean, I was managing the accounts receivable function of a several million dollar uh, manufacturing company. And we had a lot of really large companies who were our customers. And if sometimes if you didn't call them, they wouldn't pay you. They just made the decision to not. I mean, if they're 10 times the size of your company, sometimes they'll just decide that someone else is more important to pay. And but if you're calling them every week saying, hey, you haven't paid me this, you're you're more likely to get paid than you know, someone who's letting things go. So stay on top of it. And the same thing on the flip side. So you get to make the decision about when money goes out of your business. Now, if you have employees, you have to pay your employees on whatever frequent or frequency you've decided. Like if you're paying them weekly, you've got to pay them weekly. But if you are lucky enough to have credit with some of your material suppliers, uh, you get to decide when to send that checkout. So I, I see this a lot. I actually run into this with my parents. My mom will just pay invoices before they're due just because it gets it off her plate. But I don't recommend that habit. Like pay your bills on time. Don't pay them early. Because if you get in a situation where, let's say you're renegotiating, you've got some kind of contract with a particular material supplier and you and you're constantly paying things two weeks early before they're due. They give you 30 days, you pay after two weeks. They're they're going to want you to start paying after two weeks as opposed to 30 days. They can potentially change the terms on you. So pay pay when people you know, say you need to pay, pay on time, I don't pay early. I just, I don't, I never understood when my mom got into the habit of doing that, but she, mm. she does that to this day.
0: <laughs> well, me and your mom have something in common.
1: Do you do that too?
0: <laughs> I do. I don't do it with everything, but, but when I get paid a landmark payment and I know I'm paying certain subcontractors out of it and certain materials costs out of it, I will just pay everything out. Yeah. Because I don't want to have a false sense of what's going on. Yeah. Because a lot of times none of that money is mine. And when I get a payment, nothing, it's all yeah. going out right away. So, but you know, good advice.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're tracking things, like let's say when you're getting invoices in for those material costs, um, and you're actually putting them into your QuickBooks file as a bill, you get to set what date that bill is due based on what the invoice says in QuickBooks. So you can easily run reports to know exactly I owe this this much money on this date um, so that that can help alleviate some of the, the stress you might have about kind of knowing what's coming in, what's coming out. Just making sure that you're actually tracking that within your accounting system is a, uh-huh. another really good piece.
0: So what do people do when they're constantly having cash flow issues?
1: Well, one of the things that I see frequently too is if contractors are to the point where they've built a relationship, you know, up with their bank and they have a line of credit, I will see I will see contractors really rely on that line of credit more than they need to because it's this sounds this is a little harsh, but it's the lazy way to do things they will rely upon that line of credit as opposed to doing more of the kind of forecasting activities to see like, or, or pushing pushing their client to really pay them on time. They rely on that line of credit as instead of you know, going after that, that customer and giving them a call and saying, hey, you were supposed to pay me two weeks ago, pay me. Um, and they'll, they'll just utilize that line of credit. But in that instance, you're paying interest. Like there's a cost to having that line of credit when you could just get on the phone with your customer. And really, you know, kind of hammer them to pay you because they owe you. Um, I see that happen a lot too, um, which a line of credit can be really helpful in a lot of certain scenarios, particularly if you're working on larger jobs that are really long term. Like sometimes you just get into a spot where cash flow is really difficult and tight and a line of credit can be a really helpful thing to have. Um, But don't be lazy about it and just, just utilize the line of credit because you have it. Um, that, that that doesn't replace your responsibility to go out and collect money
0: um, from your clients. Yeah, that's that's sound advice. And I, you got to get money from people when they're still excited about the money they just spent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't want them to sit there and have that money and then sit there for weeks and weeks and weeks and then start to have like buyer's remorse or something. You know, yeah. let them do that with their car, whatever. You know, because when they're excited, you get the money That's exactly it. but if you let I don't want to say, pay um,
1: you 2 months from now for something you did for me 2 months earlier that like the newness and the excitement has worn off like I'm way less excited about that right
0: because because their bank account their bank account accounting their lives too and they're like yep. oh we have all this money i know we owe like mike $85,000 of it but we can do all this other stuff exactly
1: like who knows the kinds of financial decisions they've made in their life in the two months since you finished the job like you need to get that money when you're done with the work um and i mean on the flip side of things i i i kind of have a a story in in relation to building my own house so i i built my own house a couple almost two years ago and um, my contractor had, we had a little bit of a a hard time at the end because he hadn't quite communicated to me kind of where we had gone over on some things. Mm. And so I kind of, I got a surprise bill at the end. Um, And I was disappointed about that. I mean, of course I paid it, but that kind of lack of communication right at the end of the job made me a little sour about having to cut that check at the end. Um, And that's, that's another really important thing is keeping your clients up to date on where you stand. And and I know a lot of the reason that he didn't communicate that is because he didn't it goes back to job costing. He didn't have a really up to date, reliable system for, you know, assigning costs to things um, within his QuickBooks file. And so he didn't really know kind of where we are on some things until the end after more invoices came in. And then I, I caught, you know, kind of the unfortunate side of that by getting an extra bill. So that's another reason why it's important to stay up to date on your finances.
0: Yeah, no surprise billing is a really good idea. I no one wants a surprise, especially when no. they're just giving you their life savings
1: exactly. to change their home
0: <laughs> um, and gone into debt, or and or gone into debt. Nope. So, so then, what should what should contractors do in terms of looking ahead? They're gonna. So they're gonna just one of the fly things by, that
1: I really beneficial to my clients is to actually like develop a forecast or a budget and to sit down kind of, you know, at the beginning of every year and say, this is what I want to accomplish this year in my business and actually go through the scenario of developing a full profit and loss forecast, um, For saying I expect that I'm going to bring in this much money this year, this is how much it's going to cost me to do that work, this is how much money I I want to bring in to my own pocket this year. Just taking that step to develop that forecast is so motivating for a lot of people like being able to say like I could make this much money if I go out and just just accomplish this. Like for for my roofing company client, they had never done that before. And when I presented them with that forecast for the end of 2021 and into 22 and 23, it, it blew their minds in terms of like, we have a huge asset here in running our business. Like we have so much opportunity, even though things are hard right now, we haven't been making money for the last year and a half, two years we we can turn things around and it's possible for us to make quite a bit of money with this business infrastructure that we've already built um just just seeing that on i would say on paper but it was on an excel spreadsheet um is incredibly motivating and that's a step that i find a lot of smaller contractors skip so you can do a forecast over any period of time most commonly it's done over 12 months so if you do it kind of at the beginning of a year or even, you know, in November, December of, of a year and you plan for the next year, that's really common. But you can even do it three uh, forecast for three years or five years. So with my roofing company client, I actually developed a forecast that went it took the last six months of 2021 and included 2022 and 2023. And that really helped them envision you know, what their business could look like if they got to the point where they were consistently getting a certain level of profit margin, like how, how they could scale it um, and just, and how much money they could actually bring into their own pockets as the, as the husband and wife. So it's a really good way for you to help determine, you know, if you decide I need to bring in this much money for my own personal financial goals, it helps you envision how much work you would need to do um, in order to actually make that reality. And just having that target is is so beneficial. Um, and I, I, a lot of contractors do skip that step, unfortunately. And it's just something that I really recommend every business should do.
0: Yeah, that, that the sense that you're losing money and and can cause you to kind of freeze in place and there's this like the entropy associated with like, uh, what, like, where do I go? And, and kind of, it's like, it's paralyzing. And that's why yeah that's, really-
1: that's, that's truly exactly what my, my roofing client felt like they felt. So they just did not know what to do, um, because they had lost a few hundred thousand dollars so far in the first five months of 2021. And, they were like, this is not, we can't keep doing this. What do we do? And and having a forecast to show them just this this one change, this 10% increase in your prices could totally turn things around by the end of the year um, was, was really eye-opening for them and helped give them a renewed sense of motivation and passion for their business that they didn't have previously.
0: Well, that's some... Uh, that's some great skill you have in, in taking care of your clients there and and conveying what they need to do and keeping them going like keeping them feeling like they can they can continue on and.
1: Yeah, and, and kind of add on to that. like now, on a monthly basis, going forward, we we assess like did we achieve our plan for the month um, based on what we had forecasted and we're able to compare our forecast to how things actually came out. And then if, if it didn't meet our expectation, then we can dig into the reasons why. Have our material prices gone up again and we need to consider raising our prices again? Or was there just a mistake made on a job that was really costly? Like, what is the reason that we didn't meet our goal? And what can we do about it in the future to fix it? And that is such good information and such good data that a lot of, not just contractors, but a lot of small businesses in all kinds of industries miss out on because they're, they're not doing that that analysis of okay my profit and loss said this happened how did that happen why did it happen and how can I change that going forward
0: fantastic um well thanks for being on I really appreciate this um
1: it's been really fun
0: yeah it has and that story is so uh It's so palpable for us as builders because there's just moments when we're all going through this stuff with money and just frozen, need help, don't ask, and then just slog along, develop our bad habits, stare at our bank accounts, say everything's okay, and... And
1: that's, that's one of the kind of going back to my story about kind of why I, I I kind of got into this business. It's my parents have been through that exact same thing. They've done that exact same thing. They've gotten, I mean, in the recession, they had no clue what to do and they, they didn't have anyone that they trusted to turn to and they didn't, they didn't reach out. And it was really, really difficult. And so because my parents went through that, I, I, don't want other people to go through the same thing. And I know that I've acquired the skills to, you know, to to be able to help in a lot of those situations. And that's something I really take a lot of pride in is, is being able to help my clients empower them to make, you know, good, solid financial decisions. That's one of the things that, you know, gets me excited to open up my laptop every day.
0: And it is definitely my first piece of advice for any young contractor or anybody who's starting a small business is to get a money person now. Yep. Because you do not need to learn all that stuff. let so pay someone that knows how to do it and go do what you're good at.
1: Exactly. That's how you make money. Yep.
0: So, so, uh, why don't you tell the audience how they can find you if they want to hire you for your services or, or check out your, your work online. Um, yeah.
1: So you can find me on Instagram at Kendra Ferguson CPA, um, also on Facebook at Kendra Ferguson CPA um, or my website, which is KendraFergusonCPA.com. Um, I have created a, a free ebook for, it's, it's targeted towards commercial construction companies, but kind of talks about the seven like habits that I see a lot of really successful commercial construction companies using. Um, so you can get that at my website, KendraFergusonCPA.com. Um, but really the easiest way is to just send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and let's just like chat about your business. I really, if if you're at a point in your business where you, you feel a little paralyzed about what to do next, you don't have an accountant, you don't know how to go about hiring an accountant, I can help you figure out where to go from there, whether or not it's me that you hire or someone else. I don't, care. I just want you to feel supported. So send me a message and let's just talk about it.
0: Kendra, thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, it's really been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey guys, it's time for my shameless plug about my book. You may have heard about in previous episode of the show. I've got a manuscript of how to run a small contracting business it's basically start to finish what you're gonna do. It's set up so you can keep it in the arm of your truck, in your console, reach in, go to a chapter, say, hey, oh, this is what I'm looking for. There'll be an audio version too, but more about this soon. If you want on the get on if you want to get on the list for early release, shoot me an email at info at thecontractinghandbook.com and I'll keep in touch on that with for you. All me. right, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening today. Go ahead and email me if you want to be on the show or want to tell me what you like or don't like about it at my email, info at com. And this is where I say, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe wherever you source your podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Later.